If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. And welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games and interactive media from creative teams all around the world. It's a guide to interesting new gameplay experiences, and in every episode, you get to meet new developers, artists, musicians, researchers, and more. My co-host this evening is Mitch Lowe. How you doing, Mitch? Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm feeling very well, thank you. Uh, on this episode, we are joined by Chris Condon of Con Artist Games in Melbourne to talk about Last Stand Aftermath, a single-player roguelike action-adventure game set in an infected world. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, look, Chris, we cannot wait to learn more about The Last Stand Aftermath, so let's just jump right in. If you like insightful discussions about those high-profile games that everyone's talking about, then why not check out Sifter's other podcast, Mainstream, in your podcast feed right now. We talk about those high-profile titles, those triple A's, some of those other smaller indie darlings, featuring insights from the award-winning Sifter team and other special guests. You can find Mainstream in your podcast player. That's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or head to the Sifter website. That's sifter.com.au. Now, The Last Stand Aftermath is a roguelike post-apocalyptic action game uh, that began its life as an in-browser title. But Chris, in your own words, um, run us through uh, The Last Stand Aftermath. Yeah, so The Last Stand Aftermath is um, it's an action roguelite uh, with kind of strong sort of survival uh, elements that we sort of brought through from the previous games in the series uh, where you are heading out into a procedural world uh, that changes with each run. Um, the survivors that you're playing as are infected with the zombie virus. And so they uh, their lives are kind of at their end. And so as part of the agreement with the colony, they head out to make this last sacrifice uh, for their community um, to see, try and find something out there that's to try and find what's gone wrong um, and to... Uh, bring back something to give the rest of the colony some hope. Interestingly, I mean, I think a lot of people, the name The Last Stand is going to jump out to them because this game and this series has been around for a while. I used to play this game back in 2007 when I was a kid. So, it's pretty wild to be speaking to its creator now. Is it fair? Is it you were part of the team back then? Yeah. So, I it started as... Um, 
it was just myself at the time. Um, I was working in advertising uh, and I wanted to learn how to use Slash and basically get better at programming. So I, I took five or six months um, of my spare time and kind of time after work and um, and just put the first game together. And I never actually had any intention of releasing it. Uh, I kind of just brought it into work and showed it to my coworkers and sort of said, hey, look, I made this on my own and this is cool and everything. And um, someone put me on to the fact that Flash portals existed. And so, yeah, then published it from then. It all kind of just started from there when we've made, um, yeah, another four games in the series. It must be pretty incredible to have a game that is such a, maybe I'm giving it some outsized uh, influence, but um, I mean, I think back to sites like Newgrounds, you know, and and places like that where, you know, The Last Stand was kind of part of some of the most iconic things to come out of those game, uh, places as far as games go. We always ranked fairly highly on those sites. And so the game stuck around for a long time because, uh, you know, we're always in the sort of like the top 10 lists for most of the time that those games are popular. Um, and that was helped as well by the fact that Armour Games, who uh, actually sponsored it, they had it on their front page for years and years and years so as a result there's hundreds of millions of people who have played those old flash games um and uh yeah it, you'd be surprised like when we show at packs people recognize the name people recognize the branding they come up and they say oh i played this when i was in high school oh. um and yeah it's it's amazing and that, that we've had that happen all over the world i showed in boston a few years ago and the same thing it's just like just having strangers come up and say, hey, I remember this thing that you did 10 years ago is really weird. <laughs> um, would it be so far, would it be strange for me to say that, you know, The Last Stand is almost kind of like the defining work of your career in a way? How does it fit? What is your relationship to it? How do you feel about it? I started it out of my own love of the genre. And so I was actually really excited about Left for Dead coming out, like the original Left for Dead <laughs> And so, because there really wasn't many zombie games at the time. And so when I started making it, it was sort of, it was filling that gap for myself a lot. And then I think it, what it ended up doing though, as well, was like, it spoke to a lot of other people um, as well. And yeah, I mean, it's very much my legacy and I don't think I can ever really get away from it. Um, like it's got, it's had such a massive impact and we've definitely done other things that have been popular, but the thing that comes up, over and over and over again is one of those four previous games that we made that sort of like, and, and the fan base is different for each one as well because we've changed genres each time. Um, so, yeah, so you can see that there's, it's, we've, we've been really lucky to get different crowds uh, even amongst that sort of like that big fan base. So you've been developing for quite some time. How has game development changed for you personally over this almost a decade of more than a decade yeah so i actually i actually started in 1998 i used to work for epic um back when they were making games um that, that weren't Fortnite. um so I, I was a level designer when they were making stuff around the unreal tournament times um so yeah obviously the tools have changed dramatically and back then i was really just dealing with the 3d side of things so i didn't really interact much with um with the the, the sort of the game making tools that are available now um but uh yeah then picking up flash 
in the sort of the mid 2000s got me back into that side of it where I, you know, I got a chance to program again, I could animate again, and I could um, and do design and things in this world. Um, and then, uh, yeah, now moving into Unity uh, and been using that for the last, gosh, 10 years nearly. Um, and that's been an amazing experience. Like it's, it's, it feels like real game development again. Flash, the Flash era was rough. It always felt like you were fighting the tools constantly. Um, so it's um yeah, it's good to it's good to be back using a good engine, a proper engine again. It's interesting um, that you mentioned, you know, what got you into making the Last Stand to begin with was just a love of the genre, and I think that there's lots of creators out there that can speak to just being taken with the the zombie genre that's why we have so much of it now um i did just kind of want to talk a little bit about where the zombie genre is right now because in previous interviews about the games you've talked about drawing inspiration from film obviously so like romero and 28 days later but where do you think aftermath kind of sits in terms of inspirations and just before i throw to you the thing that came up to me and this is drawing on kind of the anonymity of the characters in a way the almost interchangeableness of them but i got a lot of black summer from it and i don't know if you've watched that series but the interesting thing about maybe maybe viewers will that'll resonate with them but that's a show that plays really heavily on the kind of disposability of human life it uses it for shock value in a lot of that that's absolutely a theme that i was going for um and especially as it kind of as we kind of got further into the pandemic as well, it became more about um, self self sacrifice and um, the community being more important than you. So, sort of trying to make it clear to people that it's like, hey, you're not special. Like, we're all in the same boat. Like, just do the right thing and and make the right decision for the community rather than um, thinking about yourselves. So we've had a lot of pushback from that. It seems like even from the descriptions that we have up there of the game where, you know, the people want to have characters that they can get attached to and that they can kind of like fall in love with and everything. And it was sort of like, I'm trying to make that in with aftermath more about the, um, the people that are, you're leaving behind that are in the colony. So it's bigger than you. It's not about you kind of thing is the biggest sort of, um, point with it yeah but it's a, in terms of media i'm just trying to think well i guess it's it's you know you mentioned a lot of the development of this game happening during the pandemic and so much media during the pandemic has been influenced in a way by the pandemic it's hard to escape so if anything yeah i guess i guess the news really really was it because i mean i spent the you know the first god 100 days of the pandemic just glued to the television and just watching what was happening um, and I think like most of us were, and I think that, I think that's just, it seeped in because I mean, it, it, we had to sort of at some point face the fact that we were making a game about a pandemic in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> and then as, as the themes got through, you know, we're talking about mutations and infections and strains changing. These were all part of our storyline. And then it started happening in real life. And it's just like, yeah, it was hard to escape. So we kind of just had to embrace it at some point um, and try and get as much of a, you know, kind of a positive message out of it as we could. Um, and I think that we've achieved that a bit with, you know, driving home that, it, you know, it's not about you. It's about everyone. So 
did you look at the um at the release of the last of us part two and and the kind of discourse of this is not the place that i you know a lot of people played that game and they're like i'm just not in a place for this yeah i i mean i struggled with it too like i was a huge fan because the the after the first one was it actually had like kind of speaking of me like it was obviously like a, an influence on this on when we started making this um uh and part two came out and i sort of i got about i don't know apparently i'm halfway through it from speaking to people that finished it um and i was enjoying it for the most part but yeah it's just too dark at this at this point <laughs> too rough do you ever worry that perhaps your game might have that same effect on people? I think we're in a, a little bit more of a lighter kind of uh, vein. Like we, we, and we, we've deliberately kind of went down a sort of a goofier route in some ways. So like we've got, we've got some characters in the game that are once you get into the later sections that are like very Mad Max, like kind of like Lord Humongous sort of like style um, characters. And, and it, it adds, I think, a little bit of kind of... Because the games in the past have been kind of goofy. We've had, like, we sort of like to play around and do that sort of fallout sort of kind of um, humour that sort of just pokes at the fact that, like, hey, this is not a real world. Um, so uh, I think we'll get away with it a bit, but there's definitely themes in there that I think for some people they, they might... Um, kind of get a little bit hung up on but um yeah hopefully we were able to uh the action and things that aren't as it's not as heavy and the, the survival aspects of it aren't as kind of ingrained and, and sort of like gritty as uh as something like last of us what drew you i think the thing that's going to stand out to most people about this game is that you aren't basically doing tower defense you know you aren't you aren't holed up in a position um you are venturing out what drew you to the roguelite structure rather than the tower defense routes that the series has? It was kind of a bit of a mix. So the most popular game in the series was the third one that we made, which is The Last Stand Union City. Uh, and it was a side-scrolling uh, RPG, effectively, um, that had you traveling all over the city and looting spots. And sort of, and that, that kind of came out of just me playing too much Fallout 3 um and sort of like i want to make a 2d version of this and but i actually originally wanted to make it isometric um but again flash not being great at doing (laughs) making like any sort of 3d game um that just wasn't possible so um so i opted for 2d at the time and then when the opportunity came up uh my uh programming partner steve and i he had started prototyping this isometric shooter and we sort of kind of fell into it a bit that way. Um, the, and the, the kind of the, the rogue, the roguelite side of it came in. Um, it actually probably started more with the popularity of PUBG at the time and the kind of almost roguelike nature of that, where it sort of, you know, each time you were, Running through different areas, you're dropping, you know, that that kind of just that that um, that battle royale, but it was more the, the looting side of it and the gearing up and the kind of like preparing side of the, that was actually the main inspiration uh, for what we were doing, um, and uh, and then obviously that uh, things like Dead Cells got popular, um, 
and Hades came along. And so those all started sort of like slow, like sort of seeping in a little bit into the, uh, into the design. Uh, but it was for us, it was really just a way of not having to make an open world game with two people. Uh, and with the same, with like, there's with a high fidelity that we could, like, as high as we could get, uh, with just the two of us, with only one of us doing the art. So that was kind of, um, the main goal was just like try and get as much bang for our buck as we can by, um, yeah, by having everything be procedural and being able to replay large sections of it over and over. Did it almost obviously years and technology needed to improve and you needed to improve as a designer, but did, did it need, did roguelites as a genre kind of need to come into their own and, and have all these amazing ideas come out for, for Aftermath to really get the wind that it needed to kind of glide up and become what it is now? I, yeah, I definitely think that it was the kind of the little push that kind of um, let us make that decision of like, hey, you can kill the character like, and they can be just gone. Like that's and it was because it was something that we actually looked at doing in Dead Zone, the browser-based MMO that we did, which is you know um, you're collecting survivors, you're building a little base, and you're defending it against other players that come in and free to play and all that sort of thing. Anyway, in that game, we wanted I, I was trying to convince my team. I'm like, let let me kill the survivors off. Like just it, they can come in, you can name them and you can have them for ages and they can be great and everything. But like, there's so much emotional impact in killing them off, but it all came down to the fact that it was free to play and we didn't want people have like losing characters that they'd invested literal real money into. So exactly. Yeah. So when this came out and, and that, yeah, that kind of, um, disposability i guess like started coming up kind of like you mentioned earlier and um it was it, it just sort of fit perfectly with this sort of story and kind of so we we obviously crafted the story in the environment like the, the environment and kind of the whole um thing around that loop uh and you know and, and kind of wanted to make a um, a challenging and more difficult game than the previous ones as well because the last couple that we'd made were quite kind of straightforward and simple um, but yeah absolutely like it's it's very much uh, it's definitely the best game we've ever made um, and it's the one that we've, we're most confident in, in, in that because uh, we've you know we had a we had a failure before this that kind of cost the the company in terms of you know, we lost all the, everyone that we're working with and we spent three years on it and it didn't make any money. So, um, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of, um, been a bit of a redemption thing for us as well. Sort of like, Hey, we can still make good quality stuff and we're still here and we're still making things. So it's been a big sort of, that's been a big part of it as well. What was the bounce back like for you after experiencing a not so optimal outcome. Yeah, it was it was rough because it was, um, you know, we had a team of six people. We spent, like I said, we spent three years on the project. It was Warfare Online, it was called. Um, but we made the mistake of, you know, we had no marketing. We had no user acquisition money. Um, it was free to play on Steam, which is not ideal as well at the time, especially this is in 2016, 2017. Um, we spent over a million dollars making it and then it just didn't return. 
in the first, like we needed it to take off in the first few months and it just didn't. Um, so it was rough. Those like the first few months I can, um, especially as a designer, I just had nothing. I was kind of like, I didn't have any ideas for three or four months. And that's scary because, you know, you go <laughs> go from having ideas constantly your entire life to then just being in this sort of like black hole of like, there's not, I've got no more ideas left. That's it. We're done. Like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Um, but yeah, eventually that all got better. And we all, you know, as we started working on Aftermath, kind of in the wake of that and uh and it just it especially with um the quality of stuff that my programming partner was putting together like it was it made it a lot easier because it was just uh so much better than i could imagine doing on my own so yeah i don't want to dwell on it too much but it's interesting speaking you know frankly about the nature of you know something that doesn't go the way that you want it to um with regards to um uh, warfare online. Sorry. Um, what kind of advice would you give to people who are, you know, putting out games that don't return the way that they expect them to? What was your, what was, I know Mitch asked you about the bounce back, but what, what was your road back, you know, from that kind of experience? What would you tell someone who is maybe going through that right now? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, um, Obviously, the, the most obvious thing that you, that that hurts is the financial side of things. So, um, I'm still recovering from that, and it's been four years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just the just just the monetary side of things. There, it can take a long time to recover from that side of thing. Um, so, sort of doing whatever you can in the in the meantime to to fix that. But the, um, I think the the biggest thing is to probably for me anyway, um, was to keep working, was just to, as much as I could, try and um, try and put, put get something done every day and make sure that it was, you know, there was some small amount of progress on whatever I was working on. Um, it doesn't have to be huge, uh, but I think it's definitely important to um, just sort of like try and keep, keep your tool sharpened a little bit and sort of make sure that you you're still in it, and don't don't get too discouraged by the fact that it happens. Because I've made probably I don't know twelve or fifteen different games in my in my time. There's probably about five of those that have done like reasonably well. So there's there's been plenty of not so great ones that no one's ever heard of, that no one ever played. Um, and I think that's just the nature of entertainment. Like it's it's going to resonate with some people sometimes and it's not going to other times, but we, we made definite mistakes with warfare. And I think that the the biggest thing that we was recognizing those mistakes, looking at the fact that we didn't put enough effort into marketing. We didn't have any user acquisition set up. We didn't have all the right things in place for it to succeed. Um, so doing it again would completely change the way that we looked at it and probably even change the design of the game. But we just went in with, because we'd succeeded previously, we had so much hubris. We were just like, this is fine. We had 14 million registered users on our last game. No problem. We'll be able to get a million a month easy. And then 
it came to it came to pass and it was like, oh, we got two hundred thousand. That's good, but it's not good enough. So, yeah, um, yeah, preparation, marketing, marketing is everything these days. Pivoting to something maybe a bit more, a bit more cheerful than that. <laughs> um, what are you most excited for people to see in Last Stand? I think the thing that I love about it the most is is just the kind of the free flow of the combat and the way that we've sort of mixed in the the melee and the gunplay and things and sort of how it kind of all intertwines that and the sort of like the cycle of just sort of meandering around a level and, and looting every container because that just for some reason never gets old i don't know it makes the chemicals in the <laughs> brain so, turn it's on. So, it's so good it gets me every time yeah. um so yeah like i think that side of thing i think we've done something that's um that feels kind of that it's in, sort of instantly fun um like you can kind of just sit and play with it for five minutes and sort of realize that okay this is this is gonna be, and then it continues and deviates obviously with the different weapons and things that you get during the course of it but um yeah and we take the story some kind of places as well that's sort of interesting and i hope that people find that fun as well it does get a little bit weird at times aside from brand recognition (laughs) what is it that you think makes you return to the last stand each time you come to you know create a new entry in the series uh, I think it's it's nearly always the exciting thing is the, is changing the genre, uh, and which we've done every time after the first sequel, and that was kind of the big, um, kind of the most interesting thing about it because it it, it completely changes all this. It's a it's a weird challenge because you, you're trying to bring in a whole bunch of legacy stuff that people expect from the series. That's that's out there already uh, and then sort of jam it into this new genre in a way. But the thing is that there's a lot of genres that fit with it and kind of that's that putting that puzzle together can be really exciting. Like the, the, um, the one, like I was sort of saying earlier with aftermath, like it was that, uh, that idea of like killing off survivors and restarting again and, uh, exploring a world of new kind of each time like that fits kind of well with a zombie apocalypse setting like people don't necessarily like if you give the average person um like you put them in a place that they've lived maybe all their life and then take away all their ability to navigate with maps and phones and everything like it's very likely that they're not going to really know the area that well around them so we kind of played on that a little bit, sort of like so that you're kind of exploring this world in a way that it's sort of it's sort of unknown to you each time. Uh, but and there was with Dead Zone and things like that as well. Like they were just good fits, as sort of like you know you're building a comp. Like it was like Farmville with zombies, where it's just a case of you're building a little base for yourself, and then the zombies attack and you defend it, and it's just like those sorts of. Um, it's a very flexible genre, and I think there's like a lot more room for it going, uh, putting you know other um, sort of uh, game genres on top of it. Uh, so that yeah, that's the thing that every time we go back to the world, like I think if we were ever to do a sequel to Aftermath, it would probably be in a different genre again, um, and just kind of whatever's exciting at the time. I think. Um, 
and who knows what that'll be because I certainly didn't think I'd be making a roguelite like in 2007 when I started those tower defense games. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to say. It's unfortunate that Back for Blood beat you to the the renewing of the Left for Dead formula. Maybe you could have done that. Maybe it'll, maybe people will get sick of it and then you'll come back in and maybe like five years' time people will be ready for a new one. Well, I mean, we were, the, 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 the most thing we were worried about actually was them releasing too close to us because it's like the other, like just this massive zombie franchise sort of coming back. That'll, I think, do it for us. So this has been uh, Chris uh, from Con Artist Games. You can find more information by heading to the last stand hyphen aftermath.com or you can follow con artist games on twitter at con artist games or you can follow chris on twitter at con of the artist chris thank you so much for being a part of light map and for sharing your last stand with us that's a good joke in the script there, mate. <laughs> I appreciate that thank you <laughs> so light map is produced by fiona bartholomeus nicholas kennedy daniel ang sarah island viv Thumb, and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is the senior producer and Gianni Di Giovanni is the executive producer. You can find links to everything that we've talked about on our website, which is sifter.com.au and read more about the games that we've, uh, games and guests that we've featured. Um, you can also join the Sifter community. Uh, that's uh, sifter.com.au forward slash discord to get there. That's sifter.com.au forward slash discord. It's our little community where we share what we've been working on, games we're playing and uh, things we've been watching and things we've been listening to. Um, and uh, the best thing you can do for us actually is to share the show it's the one free thing um, you can do to support us uh, word of mouth is very important to small podcasts like us so let friends let your friends know uh, if you think they'll enjoy it uh, send them a link and uh, make it easy on their part and we'll love you forever for it so that's all for now thanks for joining us and see you on the next episode of Light Map. thanks Chris thanks guys cheers mate the market for a super addictive puzzle game you have to check out mini motorways on apple arcade it's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases from puzzle and adventure games to sports racing and multiplayer action games everyone can count on finding something to love Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 